Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren, here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Hello. And we have a bonus episode for you today. This is going ahead of our episode with Mike Rahman. I'm sorry, Mike, we had to boot you for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But Brian <laughs> just got back yesterday from Disneyland. I'm sorry, are you just like exhausted, Brian? I'm I'm okay. My brain is definitely a little a little bit foggy, but uh, but but I'll make do. Uh, I, I'm very excited to talk about Star Wars. So yes, I said, are you sure you want to do this? And he's like, yes, I definitely want to talk about it. So if you listened to last week's episode, that was our episode with Frank from the Dillos Diz, um, and then the next episode after this one will be with Mike Rallman. So don't miss that one because that's a really good episode. We talk about our favorite Disney resorts. Okay, so yeah. Brian just got back from the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I caught all of the footage that they got. It was coming to me, and then I was just, like, soaking it up to the point where I've been looking at flights nonstop. Like, I could possibly (laughs) go in two weeks, but I don't have anyone to go with me. I've asked, like, three people, and they're all like, no, I can't make it. So I don't know if I'll be going, but after seeing everything that you guys got to do, it just looks amazing. So let's just jump right in. It's pretty incredible actually yeah it, it it's funny the the land itself well i i guess i mean i i'm assuming most people that are listening to this now have been following all, along at least some with uh, all of our coverage and and the general coverage that you see online but um i guess in, in case anyone's not not super familiar i'll go over the the basics of uh how they were letting people into the land right mm-hmm. now so from uh, any time now through June 23rd, you need a reservation to enter the land. The reservations are in four-hour blocks, and the only way to get them currently is to have a Disney a Disneyland Hotel Resort reservation, so either at the Disneyland Hotel, Paradise Pier, or Grand Californian. Um, they did release reservations to the general public uh, back in the beginning of May, but those those were gone the same day and they are saying they will not be releasing more. So uh, if you want to go up until June 23rd, you need a hotel reservation. Uh, it does only need to be one night uh, and you are guaranteed a one four-hour block of entry during that two-day period. Um, if you are going June 24th or later, uh, they haven't said exactly how they're going to do it, but what we gather is that uh, there are it is still going to be a timed entry system, um, but it almost sounds like they're going to do it like, uh, like say, like Universal did with Diagon Alley, where you have to go into the park and get your reservation. So um, after June 24th, it will be, there will, there will be some pretty long lines to get into the park because people will want to make sure they get those reservations. Uh, so we, we, I de- we definitely recommend if you can swing it, go while you still need the hotel reservation. Um, but anyway, that with that out of the way, just you know, my, my general impressions of the land, I would say uh, now I really, really, really love it. Uh, I was a little bit mixed at first. Uh, the first time we, we ended up having a few different reservations because uh, we knew, you know, obviously an event like this, we knew a lot of people that were in town uh, that had reservations and um, you are allowed to put, you know, four to five adults on your hotel reservation. So uh, we were all kind of trading hotel reservations. So uh, and putting each other on on different ones so we could get in there as many times as possible. So we can make sure to try everything. And, um, 
and after the first time we were in, I was I, I was not a hundred percent sold by it, but I found myself then later that night kind of thinking about it a lot. And then the more time I spent in there, the more it it really grew on me. And now I found myself yesterday being kind of sad that I won't I probably won't get to see it again until sometime after the one opens in Walt Disney World. Right. I do have a couple questions for you. Um, if you are only staying at a Disneyland hotel for one night, mm-hmm. do you think your Galaxy's Edge reservation will be the day you check in or the day you check out? Uh, it, it seems uh, that, that for the most part they assign, because what, what will happen is they will assign you a time. Uh, you okay. will get an email at some point that will tell you your four-hour window. It seems like for the most part they are doing it on the day you check out. Um, I guess assuming that you know, in case you check in late, then you know, but um, but you can. There is there is an eight hundred number that you can call and that I, I don't have on me at the moment, but but you can find it easily, and it would be on the reservation email anyway. You got um, that you can move it. Uh, and I think they, they would allow you to move it to your check-in day if you want. Like, as long as there are times available, uh, they will move it. And even with ours, we moved ours around quite a few times. The only day that was really hard to get reservations on was the very first day it opened. Uh, pretty much any other day we tried, there was plenty of time slots available to move. They're, they're definitely holding some for all the hotel guests. Well, now that you've been... In pretty much every time slot. I don't know if you went at 8 a.m. I did. Yeah. You did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which are, time yeah, slot is best? Because, I mean, going uh, at 8 a.m. seemed to be good, but then you missed the nighttime, you know. Yeah, it's, it's either the first or the last. Are, are the, so the, the time slots, they, they all have – the time slots overlap by an hour. So okay. the, the time slots, at least right now, and I believe through, through June 23rd, are uh, 8 a.m. to noon – 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then 8 p.m. to midnight. Okay. Uh, so five slots each day. But uh, if you notice, those middle ones uh, all have an hour overlap in on the front and on the back. Mm-hmm. So you only have two hours where it's theoretically only your time slot people in there. Um, so it, they definitely... They, and, and at the beginning and at the end, it def, you definitely feel the crowd difference. Like it's, it can be a pretty significant difference. So the 8 a.m. one or the 8 p.m. ones uh, were definitely the, the better ones because there were uh, – the 8 a.m. one is nice because especially if you can get kind of towards the front of the crowd, you can basically do anything you want uh, without much trouble at all. Uh, and the, the, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the, a, a plan later, but, um, the 8 PM to midnight one starting at about 10, honestly, about 10, 10 30, uh, it started to feel pretty empty. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I have some pictures. I, I know we posted them from the touring plans account. I have one of the pictures of the cantina with no line in front of it, which was the first time in wow. two days I had seen no line in front of that thing. Now I think they had cut the line off. And told people they couldn't go in anymore. But still, uh, Millennium Falcon had had no real line. Uh, there was empty walkways. Like it, it got it got very very empty feeling towards the end of the night. So if you really want to just kind of explore the land and don't mind it being quite dark, uh, I would say go for the late one. If uh, if if you want to um, 
you know, see it more in the, in the daytime or if you're an early riser like I am, um, I would say go for the eight, try to go for that 8 a.m. one. I think you kind of answered this already, but um, if you have like a three day reservation at a Disneyland hotel, do you only get one reservation to Galaxy's yep. Edge? Yep, only one per reservation. Um, now you could. Uh, I, I don't think anybody, I don't think I know of anybody that did this, but I don't think there would be anything stopping you from making like three separate one night reservations. Yeah, sure. Uh, it might be a little bit of a pain because you might have to go, you know, switch check rooms. in. And, uh, it's possible you would have to switch rooms. I think they should be able to, because it's not like they have to wait for somebody to leave the room if you're the one in it. Right. So I don't see why you wouldn't be able to say like, okay, I'm going to, I want to stay in this room though. Um, you know, I, I'm already the one in there. Like the front desk people, I don't think really care that much right. about you gaming the system. Um, so there, I don't think there would be anything to stop you from doing that, but it would, it could be a very big pain, but in that case, then you would get three separate reservations. Right. Uh, but if you had one three night reservation, you would have just got the one, you know, like I, I stayed at the Disneyland hotel two nights and I got one reservation. Len, uh, Len Testa, our, our, our boss and, and leader, uh, stayed, I think, almost a week. I think it's like five or six nights and just got the one reservation. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, there you, you just get one no matter how long you're there. All right. Well, okay. I asked, I asked my questions. Well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Okay. So mm -hmm. if you haven't seen Brian's video, he did a full walkthrough of Galaxy's Edge, including his his reaction of seeing everything for the first time, you know, you have him right on camera. It's a really good video and a lot of it's been really positive. People really like it because you get to see someone who first was introduced to Star Wars at five years old and has been a yeah. fan ever since. So it was really your genuine reaction. And it was really touching to see at some parts, especially <laughs> when you uh, saw the Millennium Falcon and you saw like the X-Wings and the TIE Fighters. It was just really neat. Um, yes, yeah, so, because the way they the way they walk you when you when you have the eight a.m. reservation, you go in and um, and uh, it, it might might actually be helpful to to look at a map. I will try to remember to link a a, a an image of a map uh, into the show notes here um, because because uh, because this part's going to be a little confusing. But there at Disneyland, there are three entrances. Uh, there is there is the the westernmost entrance which is through critter country um mm -hmm. then there are two that go into kind of the fantasy land uh one like right behind big thunder mountain and then one a little more towards fantasy land um at uh at, at disney's hollywood studios there will only be two entrances it will be uh the 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 farthest one to the left or, or well the directions are different there, but uh, that will be in Grand Avenue by Muppets 3D. And then there will be the what is the middle one at uh, Disneyland. It will be into Toy Story Land. Yep. So, but at Disneyland, what? Sorry. At I Disneyland, thought... what they, that's okay. Okay, go ahead. At Disneyland, what they've been doing is uh, for the 8 a.m. reservation, they've been taking you in through... Uh, the middle one in Frontierland for every other reservation, they make you go in through Critter Country. Uh, and the Critter Country one, what's neat about that is that they force you to go, you come in by the Rise of the Resistance attraction. So kind of as if you're close enough to the front of the crowd, as you're standing there waiting, you're pretty much just staring at an A-Wing and an X-Wing fighter sitting in front of you for the entire time that you're waiting to actually go in. 
And then uh, they walk you kind of around to the outside of it. So they don't let you cut through like the marketplace or anything like that. You have to go all the way around the outside. So then at one point you kind of make this turn and right in front of you is that echelon TIE fighter, uh, which is, is very large and impressive looking. And then you kind of make a left from there and go past the cantina. And as you get to, like in front of the cantina, all of a sudden you see the Millennium Falcon open up right in front of you. Um, and and uh, it, it's both ways are, both of those reveals are, are very cool. And I, I will say the, I've been to a couple of these Disney events and the crowd for this one uh, was quite a bit different. Like you could feel it, everybody was so excited um, there were, you know, they were starting waves. They were, you know, chanting. You'd see the, to every, a couple times when people were waiting, they'd have, you know, like Chewie or Ray would kind of walk by and mess around with the cast members and people would go crazy. Like everybody was so excited. Uh, it was, it was a very, very good crowd. Well, and Len was telling me just how good Ray was as, you know, a character and how she interacted and how, you know, because there's not a lot to do in the resistance area, it was yeah. really empty. So she really yes. had a lot of time to walk around with you and interact. And so if you get a chance to go, you should definitely seek Ray out and hang with her a little yeah, bit. Yeah, both her and Chewbacca were kind of in that area, I think, because there really isn't. And without the rise of the resistance, there really isn't anything there. It's just these it, a couple little stands that are the um, the, the the resistance like like merchandise shop. And, uh, and that's it. So the, the Chewbacca is great too. He actually has, uh, vocalizations. So oh, there's, wow. there's several different sounds that he can make and he can laugh and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really good. Chewy. Can Ray understand him? Uh, it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. I only saw them interact once or twice, but, uh, I know Guy Selga did. He actually got a, a selfie with the two of them. I uh, saw that. Yeah, he, uh, he actually didn't know Chewie was there until he like took the picture and like. Oh, that's hilarious! Uh, Chewie basically just photobombed his picture with uh with Ray and some popcorn. Well, yeah. and that Ray, if you've seen pictures, I think uh, the one with just Ray and Guy, she mm-hmm. is the spitting image of yes. Ray from the film. Looks just like her. It's amazing, and you know I didn't get to see how she interacted or acted around everyone, but. I hear, I heard that she's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, she's she's really good. Um, all the cast members, I will say, are are excellent. Like they they basically had to learn new terms for a lot of stuff. So um, you know, kind of like they had started to do with Pandora when that opened the Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have different greetings, different words for certain things. So they'll say. Um, if it's if it's daylight, they'll say you know you know bright moons. If it's nighttime, they'll say rising suns. Uh, a lot of times that are uh, both kind of hello and goodbye. Uh, another goodbye you hear all the time is till the spire, uh, which got very fun to say after a while. Um, and uh, and and it was funny even like the Disneyland Hotel uh, check in. You know, cast members were starting to would occasionally do that to people like when you know if they knew they were going to star wars galaxy's edge they would you know say oh tell the spire and usually got very strange looks for that because the people didn't, didn't they don't know, know what it means yet uh, yeah but um so yeah they had uh i can't even remember once but but guy used his annual pass discount at one of the restaurants and uh you know they said oh you have your you know 
your your uh, galactic acceptance card or something. They had some <laughs> weird term for it that we were like, oh, okay, sure. I, I guess. guess. Well, and let's let's address that really quickly. Uh, you can use your annual pass discount on most things except mm-hmm. um, the droid. And well, I don't know the droid, but the lightsaber experience for sure you cannot. No. What about the droid depot? Um. I don't think so, but um, that was the one thing we we didn't do. We knew a couple people that that did, but um, um, one of our our one of our bloggers and the the owner of, of Storybook Destinations, Tammy Whiting, uh, did build a droid that I got to I got to, little SD fourteen that I got to hang out with a purple BB eight unit. It was uh, it was very cute, but um, but I don't know if they take. I, my guess is going to be no. Okay. But, yeah. Um, On those more specialty experiences. Yeah, and, and, and there's there's some little stuff like the popcorn at at Katsaka's. I I'm, I don't think has a, um, I, I don't think the milk, the blue or green milks have any annual pass. But all the, the um, Docking Bay Seven, the the main restaurant, definitely does. Well, let's talk about the main attraction, which is Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. I want to hear about for those who didn't see your video. I want to talk about what your first reactions were. And then I have a question about the ship itself. So let's start with your reaction upon seeing it for the first time. So it's a, it's a weird ride um, because there are three different roles that you can have in, in the ride. Uh, your experience can vary pretty greatly depending on, on a, which role you have and B how good the other people are at their roles. Um, you know, it doesn't, there's no, the ride is always going to be like pretty decent. Like it's, you know, I, I don't know exactly how long, but you know, in two to three minutes, probably, um, there is a way to lengthen it a little bit. Uh, there are, there is at least one, if not two extra sequences that you get if you do really well. Hmm. Um, and the pilots tend to have a lot of that. So the three roles are pilot, gunner, and engineer. Um, I, I only wrote it three times, um, and, um, I got engineer twice and then pilot once. Um, were you, were you right or left pilot? I was the right pilot. So I got to, I got to send it into hyperdrive. You yes. did. Um, which is, which is all I really wanted to do. So that's why once I got that, I was like, okay, like if I, if I, this was the, my second to last time. in, so the last time I, I ended up not, not riding it at all, but, um, but you didn't care at that point because you got Yeah, to... all I really wanted to do was be the, you know, I wanted to be a pilot once and preferably that one. So I, right. I got to do it. Um, the, but the, the pilots especially have a lot, like one pilot, the pilot on the left does the uh, side to side movements. And there's one part where you're the, there, there are, I believe, going to be multiple missions. I'm pretty sure there's, there's at least two. I think there might be three different missions that you can do on the ride. Right now, they only have one. Um, so every time you did it was the same mission. I think that mm-hmm. will eventually change this, this whole process up until June 23rd, Disney is, is referring to as a soft opening, okay. um, meaning, you know, so, um, some of these processes and things that I'm going to be talking about w- could change later, but, um, so for now they only have this, this one running and you're, you're. It, it's kind of reminiscent of the train heist from solo. So you have to fly up behind this train, um, stay behind it. The engineers have to hit tow cables and attach the cables to the car. The gunners then have to shoot until the car breaks free 
and then you're supposed to carry the coaxium away. If you do all that correctly, uh, you will then be attacked by more TIE fighters. You, you're attacked by TIE fighters on the way there. And then if you do that correctly on the way out, you're attacked by more TIE fighters, and there's a possibility to pick up a second thing of coaxium, uh, which I only did once, actually. The time I was the pilot, we managed to get the second one um, and got the extra sequence. Before that, we had just kind of, because I think, because if you don't do well enough, it takes longer to then get that one mm -hmm. vial of coaxium, sure. so then you don't get the extra sequences. But um, um, you do get a score at the end, and if you are using the Play Disney app, which I really didn't because it was not working well, that this will come to no shock for anyone that has used Disney's IT systems. But uh, when a lot of people in the park were trying to use it, it just kept freezing on me. So uh, that is one thing I really didn't get a chance to try. But um, but I think it can affect your credit totals in the app too, uh, how well you do at at the Millennium Falcon ride at Smuggler's Run. So. Um, but so it is it is very hard to pilot because the two people are basically working one set of controls just together so the, it gets very tricky but um the pilots can really just start crashing into everything plus even as the gunner you can't really you're just hitting buttons so you can't really aim super well you can move the gun up or down but i don't think you can move it side to side at all so you really have to rely on the pilots to be pointing towards the ships you're trying to shoot um, and then the engineer just sits there and hits buttons and fixes the ship that's there, the thing a, i was oh, yeah there's, there's one time you have to hit the send shoot the tow cable but that's it everything else is just pressing buttons as they flash that's the thing that I don't see a lot of people talking about is what the gunner does. You know, people are saying, oh, I got the engineer. And then people are saying, you know, oh, I got to be the pilot. Um, and that's yeah. a tip for everyone is that the right pilot is the one who puts the ship into hyperdrive. Yeah. Um, but no one talks about being the pi or the gunner. Yeah. So the, the left pilot does the side to side movements. And then when you do get behind the train, there's one part that none of the times I wrote it, anybody seem to do but there's one part where hondo because hondo anaka is kind of talking to you the whole time and kind of telling you what you're supposed to be doing and there's one part where hondo says okay hit the brakes and the left pilot is supposed to hit a big flashing red button that breaks and they never do so you just ram into the train every time <laughs> but um and then the right pilot does the up and down and then gets to send it into hyperdrive which yeah is is very very cool to pull the lever and and put it in a hyperdrive but um the gunners, yeah, there's there's two gunners. I, that, like I said, I wasn't the gunner. As far as I can tell, um, you there is an auto mode and a manual mode. And I believe the auto mode, you just kind of have to hit the big red button to shoot. And it will automatically like kind of adjust the cannon uh, height, depending. Mm -hmm. um, if you do manual mode, there are three buttons that you can either put the, the gun in like, you know, high, medium, or low angle. And you have to kind of keep moving it around as you're shooting to, to try to hit uh, mostly TIE fighters. But um, I heard the gunner was a pretty fun one to do. The only thing that, that I, I heard as a complaint with that, and, and I definitely had as the engineer, is that all the buttons are to the side of you. Yeah. So, you you know, it, it's, it's almost hard to watch what's happening on the screen and to keep turning and hitting the button. Now with the gunner, I think 
the idea is that you are are walk, watching straight ahead and just pressing the buttons without looking at them. But for the engineer, you kind of have to look to see which ones are flashing. And you know, sometimes it's a switch, sometimes it's a button, which are very fun to press. But um, but I found that I wasn't paying 100% attention to what was actually happening on the ride while I was the engineer. Now, this might sound like a silly question, but I honestly don't know. Is the ride inside the actual Millennium Falcon that you see? It's not. Um, So that's just like a model, basically. Yeah, it's in the building behind it. Um, it, It's... It's really well done. Like I, and I, I'm not sure how how all that came across, but I really, really liked the ride. Um, I, I know I, I definitely talked to some people that were mediocre on it. I believe Len was kind of kind of iffy on it. Um, but I think I, I think part of the problem is that if you only ride it once and you get a role that you don't really like, and I talked to people who didn't like being the pilot. Um, I talked to one one woman who engineer was her favorite role out of the three. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, some people like to be the pilot, some people like to be the gunner. So it's not necessarily that everyone will love being the pilot and hate the others. But um, but if you get a role that you don't like, I think that will be a very different experience than if you get one that you do like. So, um, you know, that's something that that I, I think is I, I don't think there's any way to necessarily improve it. Um, I'm just hoping maybe in the other storylines, maybe there's a little bit more for some of the others to do. Um, do, you, do you know if there's more than one um, ride room for everyone or is there just one and you're in different are, holding rooms? There are many, many ride rooms. Okay. Um, I, I, don't, I figured. I, I'm not 100% sure how many, but um, I think somebody said it was something like, uh, I, I think it was in like the 20s or maybe four, wow, 14, okay. maybe it was 14. Um that there are. Yeah. There's actually two different, like the, the lounge that you get kind of held in before you go into the, the cockpit. Uh, there's actually two of those too. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, the, the throughput is actually pretty high. It's something like 1600, 1800 people an hour. That wow. I feel like that's more um, than we were expecting. It, it's, it's quite a bit. Um, the, um, and and the line moves pretty fast because of it. Uh, I only waited in the regular line once, and we only had to wait about. And we were back. They weren't using. They had some extended queue. They weren't using, but we were we were not that far from like the entrance, and we only waited maybe twenty five thirty minutes. That's um, really not bad. So I think it will. You know, assuming that there are no technical problems, I think it will end up moving pretty quickly. Um, but um. But yeah, and also like in like in Avatar: Flight of Passage, before you go into the cockpit, you know, there's a thing where Hondo Anaka like talks to you and tells you something. And the one time there must have been a slight technical issue mm-hmm. because the one time his speech that he gave us was like three times longer. It lasted like five oh. minutes. Oh, and the, the one and, and the other times it was like thirty seconds. So I'm guessing because Flight of Passage will do that if there's yeah. if there's a delay. Oh yeah, you, I've you been there for that. Have, it's forever. Go, yeah, you'll get scanned and, and recalibrated, then up, and then you'll recalibrate you. And yeah, you'll they'll do all sorts of different stuff to you in there. Um, so this seems like it's kind of like that. We got a, an update on the ship. We got an you know there was a power failure that they had to reboot. Like there was all sorts of stuff that happened. And I'm like, okay, something's going wrong in there. Um, but um, 
But I will say I did the single rider twice and at least for now, uh, and this might change when like the full crowds get into the park, single rider is lightning fast. Really? Well, Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, if the longest waits they were expecting were two hours, single rider, I would expect to go pretty And I don't think it ever got, I'd be shocked if anybody waited two hours for it. Oh yeah. Looking at the lines, the, the longest lines were always when a new group would come in. Um, and I still would be shocked if anybody waited more than like an hour or so for it. Um, I just don't, I think it moved fast enough that, that, that didn't happen unless there were, you know, like I said, unless there were technical problems, we didn't hear mm-hmm. of any technical problems, but that doesn't mean there, there weren't any. So if, obviously if there's technical problems, then it's going to, to make the wait a little longer. But, um, but the single rider, one thing I do want to say about that, there are actually two single rider lines. Really? Um, so the way the single rider entrance is, is like it usually is, is, is right next to the main entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there are no fast passes right now for it. So that definitely helps when there are fast passes, the line is not going to move quite as steadily uh, because presumably uh, my guess is that they're going to take like, you know, some of the, the cockpits and make them basically fast pass only. Uh, kind of like how they do with like Toy Story and Soren at Disney World, where there sure. is like one thing that is just for the Fast Pass. Uh, so there, there will still be steady movement in the standby line, but not as quick. Um, but anyway, so you go in the single rider, you walk through these series of like you know hallways and ramps, then you get to a point where there are is a staircase that is kind of in front of you and a little to the right, and. The first time I did single rider, I went up that staircase and I think there was one person in front of me. It was all. And I had to wait because because there are six people per cockpit and six is a little bit of an unusual number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of times it seems where you have, you know, uh, you know, a, two people and then like a family of five or something mm-hmm. like that. And then, you know, so like it, it gets weird. So the single they need a lot of single riders. But um so then the second time I go in, it was right after a new crowd had been brought in. So the lines were longer, but I thought, you know, let me see, let me see what, um, how what this goes. Long, yeah. Let me see how long it, it takes for this. So I walk up and the single rider line was all the way to the bottom of the steps. And I thought, oh, like, okay, this might take a while. Well, I look at the sign right in front of me said hangers with arrows on both sides. And on the left kind of behind me was another staircase. And I looked at it and I thought, well, is that also a single rider line? So I kind of I'm like, oh, let's check it out. So I walk up and sure enough, there was, that's where the se- the other side, the other lounge is over there. And there was literally no one there. So I mentioned <laughs> it to, to Len Testa and, and Tom Bricker, who was, was with us a lot. And both of them had done the exact same thing. And all three of us thought the same thing that was, Oh, I don't think I'm supposed to be over here, well, <laughs> but yeah. we walked that way and there was nobody all three times. The, the right side was full and the left side was empty. But I think because when you walk up that ramp, you're kind of looking straight at that one staircase. So you just assume, okay, that's the single rider. Well, and you don't expect uh, there to be two lines. Yeah. So, but I, but they lead right into, so, so you, the, the only downside I will say for the single rider, you skip the, enti- like the entire queue. You also skip the pre-show with the Hondo Anaka animatronic and his droid, which is really, really good. It's a great animatronic. Ooh. So I would, if you're interested in that stuff, I'd recommend doing the regular line at least once, but if you, for re-rides, absolutely just go single rider if you can. Uh, and, and you might actually get put in with a friend, you know, I mean, there were, there were a time, in fact, both times I was there, 
uh, once they use two single riders to fill it out. And then the one, the, the time I just told you about where I was the only one, um, we only, we just only had one engineer because they didn't have, an, there was no other single riders in line. So, um, but there would have been two people taken in both. So even if you're with like a friend or something, I mean, you have to be willing to be split up, but mm-hmm. there's a chance you might not be too. So interesting. So you missed the pre-show. Do you miss the um, time with like the, but anyway, so the way, the way this, Wait, say that again. Do you miss the t- do you miss the pre-show in the single rider line? But do you miss the time like with the Dijaric table and everything? No, that's actually where you start. Like you join your party of six and you get your board. So right, I guess I should probably explain how the boarding process here works. So you okay. go in the line um, right before you get into that lounge. You are broken up into groups of six, and everybody is handed a card, and the card it has um, it has a color on it and your role. And it's kind of up to the cast member who they hand the card to. Uh, it seems like if there are children, they will more than likely give them the pilot roles. Um, but you are also free to trade cards if you want. That's actually how I got to be the pilot is uh, the group I was with. Uh, one girl did not want to be the pilot. And I was like, well, if you don't want, if you want to, then I will <laughs> gladly do it. Um, so because um, I think I got a gunner card that time. So but I was like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do the pilot. Um, so uh, you are allowed to trade them. So then after that, that's when you step into the lounge that has the Dejaric table and everything. And you will be in there with group, with about, I would say, maybe two or three other groups. So there will be, you know, yeah, I, I, it's maybe three groups totals. I, I felt like we're usually floating around in there. But every time I was in there, um, you could easily have gotten a picture sitting at the Dejaric table and stuff. Like it was few enough people that uh that you could easily get photos and stuff while you're in there and you only had you you have about you know maybe five minutes you know three to five minutes i would say in there is all and then they will call the color of of your card so then you and your your other five uh you know shipmates go over they line you up like kind of in order pilot gunner engineer they very briefly tell you what your roles are then you walk into a hallway um, where you he, see the video where Hondo Anaka like, you know, pep talks you basically. And that's just the stall tactic if they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you continue walking. That's when you get into the actual Millennium Falcon halls. Um, and then you are led to the cockpit. And then, uh, um, then on the way out, which I, I didn't mention before, you walk back through the hallways. Um, and in most cases, there was one where I got the handicapped, handicapped accessible one, and then you don't get to walk out the hallways. You actually have to go the out, take the elevator down. Interesting. Um, but um, even if you're not in a, a wheelchair or anything, you everybody has to take the elevator from that one cockpit. But okay. uh, the others, you walk back out through the hallways, but the hallways will change a little bit depending on how well you did. So if you do really bad, there's like the light, it, the lighting is really low and there's a lot of sparking. Oh, and you can hear somebody on the intercom saying like, you know, Oh boy, the Wookiee is not going to be happy about this. Um, <laughs> and then the one time I did it where we actually did okay, the hallway was definitely brighter you could still hear a little bit of sparking, but then the intercom was saying like, you know, Oh, you know what? This is not too bad. We might be able to fix this up before Chewie gets it, you know, or something like that. And so, um, that's very neat. Like you can kind of tell how you did based on what it looks like when you walk out, which is, is super cool. Um, but in the pre-show, I, I think this is where I had started before. This might be a long podcast. I know we're like 35 minutes in and we're only covering smugglers run. 
Um, and and I'm, I'm self-editing this one so uh, to get it up a little faster. So we're, we're probably not going to cut out as much of the junk as, as our, our, our professional uh, editor, Aaron, usually does. Um, so during the pre-show, to, to explain how you're getting into the Millennium Falcon, even though you just saw it outside, uh, in the pre-show, as Hondo is, is talking to you, on the screen behind him, you actually see the Falcon coming in and landing in the bay and like connecting to the the building, um, which is is really cool. And then at the end of the video sequence, you fly back onto Batu and into the Black Spire outpost where you park again. So um, you know they actually have an in ride explanation as to why you just saw the Millennium Falcon outside, but now you're getting into it. So they actually move it for you. Interesting. Now, the fact that you did this three times is kind of a big deal because you and I are people who get motion sickness. And at mm-hmm. the time that Len and Guy did this for the first time, they kind of likened it to yeah. Star Tours. And Star Tours makes me for sure a little sick, and I think you as well. But yeah. it doesn't sound like you really got sick on this. I didn't get sick at all on this, actually. And um, I was a little bit surprised I didn't, especially like when I was the engineer and I kept kind of trying to look from screen to like the panels. I thought like not just focusing on the screen was going to bother me and it really just didn't. Um, Now I definitely heard from people that got very motion sick on it, um, but not many. Um, I, you know, I talked to maybe one or two people that, that did, and the ones that did seem like they had very severe motion sickness. So, I mean, it, it could just be that, you know, you have to be at a certain level for it to bother you, but no, it, mm-hmm. it didn't. Uh, being the pilot, I, I don't, I think most people, it wouldn't bother because you are partially in control yeah. of that. Um, but the other two, I, I could definitely see it happening, but yeah, if you, um, if you can usually make it through star tours without getting too motion sick, at least I would say at least give it a try and see how it affects you. Um, if you can't even do star tours because you get like deathly ill, then maybe like have a family member try it out first and tell you if you think you'd, you'd be okay. I don't know. Cause um, I could definitely see how it could make you motion sick, but no, I, I was surprised. It did not bother me at all. Cause even things like, um, like Spider-Man and Transformers at Universal Studios uh, tend to bother me a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not that different either. So, uh, but but I don't know, for whatever reason, this this didn't, I don't know if it was because there were people controlling it and, uh, you know, hitting things and, and stuff. So maybe the movement was a little bit different then. But, um, but no, I, I didn't really have a problem, which I was very happy about. And yeah, like I said, I wrote it twice in a row. So, oh, wow. yeah. You know, to kind of wrap this up before we move on, um, Len and Guy's reaction the first time they wrote it wasn't as positive as yours, but you got to do it a few times. I got to hear about your experiences. Um, Did they get to do this in other positions other than engineers? And did their opinion change after writing it a few more times? I I know they got to be other positions. I know Guy was an engineer quite a few times, but I think, I feel like he wrote it. I feel like he wrote it, ended up writing it like four or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was an engineer, like all but one of them or something. Oh my like gosh. Um, I don't know whether Len wrote it again or not. I, I don't remember offhand. Um, I don't think Len's position ever really changed on it. Even, even then, I, I think his position a lot was, was kind of what I mentioned in the beginning, that like it's, it's not going to be great for some people um, because they will just be, 
you know, a role they don't want and they won't be able to see very clearly and, you know, and, and it, it just won't be that fun. Um, I feel like guy was me and, and even me, like I, a lot of, you know, if this was just another spaceship that I was in, I'd probably be like, eh, it's, it's fine. Um, being the millennium Falcon helps it a lot for mm-hmm. me. Um, even so, I don't think, you know, like the, I didn't hear anybody talking about how like, oh, this was now the, you know, the best ride at Disneyland or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, it, it's not in, I don't think it's it's in the running at all for, for that. Uh, it's not better than Flight of Passage. It's, I, I don't think it's even all that close. Um, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, I think Rise of the Resistance is supposed to be the better of the two attractions. Yeah. So, um, you know, so we'll have to see when that comes out. But um or when that opens up but um but i think it's it's a very good you know on our on our site and in the unofficial guide we have you know the the one to five star rating um me personally i think i would put it as like a four star um i think it's it's a headliner attraction but not maybe necessarily i mean it will be a super headliner in that it will uh it will attract a very large crowd for a long time Mm -hmm. uh, at least until rise of the resistance opens but um but in, in, you know, I would, in quality, I would put it uh, probably a little above like Star Tours. I think it's a little bit better than that. Um, and it might, and probably once they have like alternate missions you can do, I think that will, will bump it up uh, there. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, I would say it's around Star Tours, you know, I, I would put a little bit ahead, but it's not super far ahead in as terms of like, you know, ride quality and enjoyment. If you want to see Len and Guy's reaction, uh, we did put out a video that just featured all of our social media content that we posted on opening day. And I think that's just under Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening day on our YouTube channel. So you can just see all of that, all the pictures there. Oh, yeah. And and over the next, you know, two to three weeks, I will be just dumping video after video of Galaxy's Edge stuff onto our YouTube channel. Uh, One of them that I definitely have, which will probably be coming very soon, um, is a full ride through video of of the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run ride. I know. Um, One of the times I was the engineer, I was like, well, if I'm going to be in the back, I might as well. And they I asked and they said, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and film it. So I did. Uh, oh, so we have the full, we did not, that was the time we did not do well. So it's a lot of crashing um, and you don't get the that extra sequence with the second coaxium and stuff, but um, it will probably give you a very good idea of, of what the ride is like. Uh, it will feel very rough. Uh, I think uh, the parts of it that I looked the, it's kind of, cause I have it on my stabilizer. So as the, as the ship would pitch down, the camera would stay steady. So it looked like there was a lot more movement than there actually was, but, um, but, but we'll, we'll see, I'll see what I can do about that. But, uh, but yeah, that, that will give you the best. So, um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, you know, it it might be out or will be out within a day or two. So keep an eye on YouTube for that. Well, that's something I know I'm definitely excited to see. So I can't wait to watch. All right, let's talk a little bit of the food and the shops, and then we will finish with Oga's Cantina, because I know that's another thing people are kind of excited to know about, as well as the lightsaber experience. Um, oh. I want to know about the popcorn at Kat Saka's Kettle, <laughs> because I'm a popcorn lover. I love Disney popcorn. I'm not shy about expressing my opinions on that. Um, not that it's controversial or anything. I don't know why I like yeah. making it sound <laughs> so like dramatic. Um, yeah. How did it taste? I am not necessarily a popcorn lover, uh, but it was it was good. Um, it's weird though, like 
this this will be a recurring uh, recurring description of a lot of the food and drink <laughs> at at uh, at Galaxy's Edge is that it they they very they tried very hard to make things a little bit unusual um, and not so much that you're like I have no idea what this could possibly be that I'm eating but they used a lot of different spices and things to um, that are not common especially to theme park food so the there were it, it's kind of a multi there's only one type of popcorn you can get there it's the uh, outpost blend i believe it's called and um it's a multicolored popcorn so some of the current and, and they are the the, the taste the, the flavors are according although i'm not sure exactly which is which but i have heard like if there's one taste you like if you just avoid eating like the red ones uh then you won't get that flavor so uh, but there are uh, some that are a little bit spicy, some that are kind of a fruit, like a tarty fruit flavoring. Uh, and then there are some that are sweeter that are almost, they taste almost like a caramel corn. Interesting. So, um, but when you eat it all together, it's a really like, it, it has a lot of depth of flavor to it, which I liked a lot. Uh, and actually Len, Len and I uh, got one to try and ended up throwing it out about halfway through because we had literally just eaten a ton at Docking Bay 7 oh. and didn't actually want it. But whoever was holding it just kept eating it because it, <laughs> it was pretty good. So finally, I handed it to him and I said, I'm going to keep eating this and I'm going to make myself sick. I don't want to eat it anymore. And then he started doing the same thing. So he's like, I'm going to throw this out before I eat the rest of it. I was like, yes, please. Because like we were already so full and, but couldn't stop eating it. I'm just hearing that it's so weird. Cause like some pieces taste almost like trick cereal. Someone described it as. Yeah. I, I saw Carly, Carly Wise. Yeah. The, that's the, who the I, Wonder that's who said it. I know she's one that I think, and I think it was the red one. She said that she was just picked around. Yeah. She liked and then, those. And then really liked it. So, um, but, um, but it's addicting is how Len described it. And a lot of people have kind of been saying the same thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's, it's pricey. Um, the, the, which is another thing that is going to like galaxy's edge is not a cheap land by even by theme park standards. Um, you know, one of the problems with it right now is that there's one ride uh, that you can do without paying extra and then literally everything else in the land, unless you just want to look around, which I strongly recommend just going and wandering around for as long as, as they will let you. Um, but if you actually want anything, uh, you know, it's, it's pricey. Like, you know, you have to pay to build a droid, you have to pay to build a lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a couple different shops and the prices in there are fairly high. And then there's the food, which, you know, the quick service stuff is about the same price, but like the snacks and things I think are, are pretty high in price. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the food since we already talked about the popcorn. Docking mm -hmm. Bay 7, uh, mm -hmm. did that have better food or worse food or the same than Ronto Roasters? Um, well, it was, it was, Ronto Roasters is a kind of a walk-up window um, there's not really any seating. There's a, you know, there, there's a couple of tables like outside nearby, but it's not really set up for that. So it's kind of, um, it's, it's like, a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of an equivalent place for it. Almost, almost like Woody's lunchbox in the new toy story land in oh, Hollywood sure. studios, except with probably fewer seats than that. Even. So like outdoor seating, um, kind of like yeah. a walk up. 
Yeah, but it's basically just a you know a counter you walk up and you get. But everything there, like they only have a couple items. They have like the you know Ronto jerky, uh, which obviously you can eat while walking. They um, they have it both at breakfast and for lunch and dinner. They have a wrap. Uh, again, that I think is designed to eat like while moving. So um, at least the food there and stuff, you know, they, they have a limited menu and what they do have is kind of meant to be eaten on the go. So I think that's kind of what you grab when you don't want a full meal necessarily. Um, that one, I, I, I didn't love the wrap there, um, but most people I talked to really did like it a lot. Yeah, that's what I heard. So, um, you know, so I just might, might be in, and including the other people I was with, like Len and Guy both liked it a lot. So, um, so I think I'm just I, in, in the minority there. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't, I, I didn't dislike it. I just thought it was fine. Um, or they, they actively liked it. So, um, so that was good. The, the jerky, um, I, unless you're like a huge fan of turkey jerky, yeah. um, I think you can probably skip. It didn't have a ton of flavor to it. So, um, I, I don't think I would necessarily recommend that, but the, um, the, the, the area itself, it's kind of, it's one of the anchors of like the marketplace, which is where a lot, where the Katsaka's kettle, the popcorn place is. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like a, like a Moroccan, um, you know, street with a bunch of little stalls in it. And a lot of the smaller shops are in there. So, uh, at one end is just this big square, very neat looking building that, that doesn't really have anything in it while the bathrooms are in there. And then the other end of it is Ronto Roasters and it's this big circular building. And in the middle is this gigantic pod racing engine with, you know, what look like flames coming out the bottom. And then a, uh, a droid that is turning a spit with the Ronto on it. So the building itself is incredibly cool, but, um, but the food, you know, but the food is, is limited for sure. So, but what did you like better? Cause we didn't really discuss docking Bay seven. Did you have a chance to try the food there? Oh yes. We tried, um, I think all of the food. Yes. We followed we, we, all of the food. Oh, one thing I want to mention, I was looking up his name, but the droid that turns the spit in uh, Ronto roasters, I'm pretty sure is, is eight V eight, which is the uh, droid in return of the Jedi that is seen torturing other droids. So, yes, uh, I remember. He, he got his uh, comeuppance. Now he just turns a spit for uh, all of eternity, I guess. It's but sad. Uh, so yeah, we actually tried. I think all of the food at Docking Bay Seven. Uh, it's one of the reasons that we were so full when we tried the popcorn. Yeah, uh, I, I went once with um, with Guy and then with Tom and Sarah Bricker, uh, where we ordered almost all of the entrees. I think there are. I think for lunch there are. Uh, five entrees and um, f- for dinner they have a t- they have two additional ones and then at breakfast I think they have uh, some additional stuff now I was not there when they tried uh, breakfast or dinner stuff but I know um, I know guy I know guy and Len I think both tried breakfast and then guy tried dinner uh, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him after he did that so I'll have to um, I'll have to wait on, uh, on, on reviewing the dinner. But as far as the, the lunch items, and many of the lunch items carry over to, to dinner, I will say it's, it's good. It's, it's very good. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not, um, it's probably not staying like it is, honestly. Um, I think it's, there are some things that, that are just going to have to be 
be changed. They have, um, they, oh, they have, they have one thing that is lunch only. That's what it is. So they have, um, the things that we tried were the Felucian garden spread, uh, which are, uh, our plant-based, uh, kefta meatball, uh, which are like meatballs, um, which come with pita and hummus. There are ribs, the uh, fried Endorian tipyip, which is a crispy chicken on mashed potatoes, uh, and the Endorian tipyip salad, which is a salad with uh, the chicken cubes on top of it. That also, also have They also have the uh, yob shrimp noodle salad, which is chilled shrimp and chilled noodles. Uh, and then there are two desserts. Um, and uh, we did try all of those things. The... Uh, the only one I didn't like actually was the, or, or that I didn't didn't really like was the, the uh, shrimp and noodle salad. But I, I don't shrimp isn't my favorite, and I don't really like the, the, the chilled shrimp and chilled noodles. I, I was just it was it was just okay. The rest of the stuff was actually pretty good. The the ribs were you know as all ribs are a little bit tricky to eat, especially mm-hmm. with the metal sporks that they give you. Yeah, um, sporks are not the ideal ideal implement for eating ribs or for eating noodles but at all but um or for eating salad for that matter i kind yeah, of just wanted to work for a lot of this stuff all around but um but the the chicken dishes i thought were really good the the ribs had a good taste to them i was shocked by the kefta meatballs um they were they were legitimately good and i'm not someone who always loves the uh the the plant-based substitutes mm-hmm. uh the desserts are great uh they are so good um the the oi oi puff is a raspberry cream puff with a uh, passion fruit mousse on it uh that one was my favorite um yeah carly said the, that was really good when she was talking yeah, about the food yeah and then the batu bon which is a chocolate cake which uh, with a uh, coffee custard and white chocolate mousse on top of it um and a couple other a couple, I, I don't remember exactly how we split but i know we split two two on which of the desserts we liked the best even though we did like both of them so um so i don't think you can go wrong with one of the desserts there but no it was it was i, I would say it was on par with like a satuli canteen at animal kingdom as far as quality oh. uh, which is a good which is a good sign considering yeah. those are basically the two newest uh you know quick service restaurants you know my curiosity was how are they going to be able to sustain the presentation of these dishes with, you know, the large masses that are to come, mm-hmm. you know, cause I yeah, mean, they I, look I, pretty well presented. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think the, the actual entrees, the presentation I don't think is particularly hard to do. Um, the, the desserts are definitely very pretty, but they are at Satuli Canteen as well. And they've kept that up now for two years. So yeah, that's uh, true. You know, that's, that's a good sign. Uh, but no, we liked the Docking Bay 7. It looks very cool too. Again, all, you know, all of this stuff, I'll have a Docking Bay 7 video and like kind of review, uh, especially once I find out how the dinner entrees were. Uh, they said, I heard the breakfast was, was really good. Um, some of the, some of the breakfast stuff does overlap with some of the other places, but um, they have the Rising Moons Overnight Oats, which is kind of a parfait, which I heard was, you know, standard parfait. It was decent. Bright Sun's Morning, which is uh, an, three cheese egg bite pork sausage purple potato hash and a mini mustafarian lava roll which is a uh, 
a uh, cinnamon roll. Um, and Guy said that was really good. The Bright Sun's Morning, he really liked. And the Mustafarian Lava Roll, they sell separately a larger version, which is a cinnamon roll, which I, uh, I also heard was very good. So I was wondering um, what that was. I the With the sausage and the Mustafarian like, Lava Roll, I, I didn't know what that was. I couldn't find that on any menu, but it yeah. looked delicious. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, I, it's it's a definite winner. Now I think they're going to have an issue with the kids' meals. Uh, the the only complaint I heard about it, I talked to one uh, one family who uh, their kids just didn't really eat anything there, and then uh, I hadn't really looked at the kids' menus that much. But uh, it's basically the chilled shrimp and noodle salad in a smaller portion, or um, you can get the fried andorian tip yip, so the crispy chicken. Uh, which I think if you can get the kid to try would be fine because it's it's actually, yeah. you know, it's, it's not super different than a chicken nugget, except it's presented in kind of a log looking thing. So I think that the looks of it are a little intimidating. Sure. Um, or you can get a taste of takodana, which is, um, you know, like hummus, edible soil with nuts, um, stuff like that. So I, I, I think they're going to end up having to add some more normal kids meals there. yeah I just don't uh, see how they're going to get enough kids to eat shrimp and noodles I know my kids would not no well and, and even I said like even if kids that like shrimp you know mine don't but I you know my nephew does like shrimp but I don't know that they would want it chilled on chilled noodles I feel like that's yeah. just a little too unusual for for the kids I I wouldn't be shocked if like later they they end up having you know an Andorian chicken nuggets and fries platter or so you know still something like that because um i think that's going to be a, a complaint with it is that it's just it's a little bit too out there for for kids and not necessarily in the taste uh like the fry the, the fried andorian tip yep i i think kids would mostly like the taste of it but it's just the the presentation is is a little strange um, and you know how, how especially smaller kids sometimes they just aren't going to eat something that looks weird well, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like my kids go to Disney World and they just get chicken nuggets the whole time. Mine, we have to, we, we end up carrying around peanut butter and jellies half the time still yeah. for my kids. So They got to make it so difficult, those kids. So yeah. it goes though. But yeah. you would say that Docking Bay 7, you probably enjoyed that food more than Ronto Roasters, but there's just yeah, more I, options I think, too. Sounds yeah, like. I I think so, but it, it's the only that's the main quick service. Like it's a pretty big place, um, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different you know seating options. It looks like you're you know you're in a docking bay. There's a lot of car. There's some giant cargo containers that have tables in them that you can like eat in. Um, it's it's real. Everything in the land is so well detailed. It feels very very lived in. I it's, uh, um, I, I think it was Tom Bricker was saying that. Um, it feels way more like Frontierland than Tomorrowland, where it, hmm. it just feels like this this place that has been there for a really, really long time. Um, you know, there's a lot, like everything, like, you know, all every wall, I think, has like cracks in it. There are blaster marks in, you know, several places. And there there's parts where th there's actually, there's a very cool, uh, hidden Mickey on the side of the one building that is just, it's actually some of the plaster that has fallen away and is kind of vaguely in the shape of the the Mickey ears. But like, um, you know, it's a lot of stuff like that. Like it, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't look like a new land, which is a compliment actually. Oh gosh. The details. I love that you pointed out in your video, the, um, the astromic port next to every door. 
I don't oh, know yeah. why that filled me with so much joy, but it did. I just loved seeing that. Um, they're, they're everywhere too. Like they did. I don't think they missed a door. Oh so, gosh. I love that. Crazy. Um, let's talk about the shops. Do you just kind of want to give a brief rundown of the shops and, you know, tell us what your favorite merchandise that you saw was maybe your favorite shop, things like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I only browsed kind of through the, the shops. Um, I didn't end up buying anything. I was actually looking for, for stuff to buy, but, um, it was, the shops were very popular. It was kind of tough to really get in and look around. And then, um, you know, a lot of the stuff was, it was stuff that was really, really cool, but I, I just wasn't sure what I would do with it. So I ended up not, not buying anything. I was actually one, one disappointment I had a little bit, they have a couple different places you can buy clothing. Uh, there's, there's like one smaller one in the marketplace and then there is the resistance mm-hmm. outpost down by rise of the resistance. And then there is the first order cargo, which is right near the Thai echelon, the echelon Thai fighter. And I looked through both of them, just looking for like a t-shirt or a long sleeve shirt or something like that. But so much of it was, it was seemed, you know, dedicated to almost like cosplay stuff. Yeah. You know, they would have like these really elaborate, like imperial officer jackets or you could actually buy like a flights a resistance flight suit and stuff like that which um they looked great but i'm just not you know they're expensive and i'm not sure how many they're going to sell even a lot of the like just normal t-shirts were very like kind of out there you know which i think it was was the point they're supposed to look like somebody on the two would wear them but i'm just not sure it's something i would necessarily walk around in all the time so well, and the thing um, is, is that you can't wear those suits and the Jedi robes around the park or around the land. No, although they, as much as they said that they were not going to relax their costume rules for this, they definitely relaxed their costume rules quite a bit. Well, how can they keep that up, really? Yeah. Well, and, and the problem, too, if you're dressed like Han Solo, I mean, you know, how hard is it to argue that none of these are just clothes? Like, I'm just wearing pants, a white shirt a vest and boots like that's right. not a costume I'm, I'm just and honestly if you took the vest off i'm not even sure anybody would recognize it as a costume no it's so, true um you know so there was a lot of stuff like that you know mo- there was a lot we saw quite a few rays there was a really good fan i saw at one point um you know a, quite a few hun solos so you know i they they definitely were in fact it, it was there was enough of them that there were a couple times where the actual Ray walked by and I don't think people realized because they oh, just really? somebody somebody else in a really good costume. You know, yeah, it took them a second to go, oh, no, that one was Ray. Okay. Um, if those of you listening don't know, if you build a droid or build a lightsaber, you cannot take it out and, I guess, use it um, within the land. And like, I, like, like <laughs> yeah, that, that, that did not work even for a second. Yes. And that I, there, goes for costumes as well. But uh, I just want to finish my thought quick. Uh, oh, where was I going with this? Okay. Um, I wonder if they will become more relaxed with the costume rule just because, you know, it's an immersive land and you, oh gosh, think about all the Star Wars fans who will want to go and wear a Star Wars cosplay costume, you know? I mean, if you're within, like, if you're dressing appropriately and you're covered up, I don't see how that's going to be an issue if maybe they can change what the the cast members are wearing. The only thing I could kind of see is we didn't, we actually didn't see a lot of Jedi robes. And I was kind of wondering if maybe that's where they were drawing the line was like the, the 
was like the robes, which I, if I was doing security, I would definitely not let someone through security in the robe. I would 100% make them take that off to go through security. Um, cause you can hide a lot of stuff under there. Yeah. But, um, you know, so I don't know if people just didn't bring them or if maybe they were being told like, Oh no, you can't do that. But, um, but we did see some, you know, cause they do sell them in the land. So I don't think there was anything necessarily from stopping you from buying one and then just putting it on. But, um, but we didn't see as many of them as I thought we might. So I could see maybe that being a little trickier, but I, yeah. I don't think they're going to try real hard to stop people. No, honestly. I bet that will go and, away. Yeah. And, and like you said, with the droid and the lightsaber, um, you know, we didn't see a lot of lightsabers out other than the, you know, the obligatory, Oh, here, look at this. And, oh, you know, sure. People hold them and stuff. But once it turned dark, Everyone who bought a lightsaber was just <gasps> waving that thing around. How it cool was, did that it, look? It was. It, it was really, really Oh, neat, my gosh. Actually, but, um, but, yeah, you definitely had to watch because there was just people smacking them into each other and stuff. Like, in fact, I think Guy almost backed into somebody when when he was fighting with, with somebody. And But although she was just like, no, I get it. Got to fight with a lightsaber. Well, <laughs> like, and I'll, getting that picture. It's cool. Like getting that picture in front of things like the Millennium Falcon yes. or like an X-Wing, mm-hmm. like you kind of have to, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, so that, that's why I laugh when they say like, oh, you're not allowed to take them out. Like we saw, we didn't see a lot of people with droids in Galaxy's Edge so much, but outside in Disneyland, I saw a ton of just little R2s rolling around and stuff. Like people would sit on the bench and just roll it around near them and stuff and then, you know, kids would come over and look at them and things like I saw that a, a lot. So. Well, maybe that's the main point is as long as, you know, it's not causing a problem, there's not yeah. really an issue taking it out. I mean, as long as it goes back in, you're not hurting anyone. You're not like hitting people with a lightsaber yeah. running into people's feet with the droids. But they, uh, yeah, they are, there is no way they are going to stop people from taking those lightsabers out in the dark. Like they're just, they would have to close the land at like 6 PM. Exactly. To stop people. I think there's it's not going to happen. Okay, let's. Uh, you know what? So we're talking about lightsabers. Let's talk about Savvy's workshop. Did you? You? Oh, didn't... I didn't really. I didn't really give an overview of the rest of the shops, but it. it, it we'll we'll it, get it there. I mean, I, I can do it quick because there okay. isn't. Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities is kind of a big one. Uh, they have a lot of really. It's a really really neat shop. You should definitely walk in there. That's they have an animatronic. Uh, you know, Ithorian Doc Andar. Uh, is is really neat the the stuffed wampa is in there on the second floor uh the whole second floor of it is just like really cool like star wars artifacts kind of um and they have a lot of neat stuff but again it's a lot of stuff that is price prohibitive um you know i have quite a bit of video of, of the stuff that's in there that's where you can buy like the holocrons and um you can buy a different kyber crystal if you did build a lightsaber where you can change the color. Uh, Guy actually bought a yellow one and changed his lightsaber to, to yellow, which looked really neat. So you can remove your kyber crystal and can, put it yeah. in your lightsaber. Okay, I was wondering it, about and, that. And you can take it out and put it in the in a holocron if you, if you buy one of those. Yeah, so um, that's really neat. The other stalls I, I thought were were fine i mean they they had some really cool things and but they were and they were very very crowded but um but the merchandise is, is very very neat to browse i'm uh you know they they were selling a lot of porgs uh, and porg related things did you buy anything uh, for yourself i didn't i didn't buy a single thing actually so right. um why yeah i i looked around a bunch there was just nothing that that really jumped out to me the only thing that i really considered there was a little 
uh, in the um, Toydarian toy maker. They had like kind of little, uh, almost like handmade looking figures of different things. And they had a, uh, a Mon Calamari one, like a, like, like um, Admiral Akbar is a Mon mm-hmm. Calamari. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it looked really neat looking. And I almost bought it, except I think it was like, 11 or 13 dollars or something and i was like okay it's not it's i don't really know if i want that because again it would he would just sit on my desk and i would write him but maybe next time i'll I'll do that but um but they are great it's great browsing at the shopping places there because everything is so unusual uh because they don't and and um if you don't know they aren't selling anything inside the land that says galaxy's edge or star wars on it um, right. you, they are selling a lot of stuff that says those on them, but you have to buy them elsewhere in the park, not inside the land at all. So it's, it's a very cool, um, it, it's a, makes for a very interesting shopping. Um, all right. So wait, lightsaber. Uh, okay, well, we, well, we were talking about food and I did not bring up the milk stand once. And I feel oh, like okay. it has to be addressed because the blue and green milk is not getting the positive I don't no, know reaction no, that I, people maybe I, thought. I I did not think either one was very good. So what is okay? Tell us um, what it tastes like. And and guy didn't really like it either. The blue one. Now the blue one. I heard. I, I think I heard more positive than negative talking okay. to people about the blue one. Um, it tasted. Um, I mean, they def, It's definitely a little bit creamy. There's kind of a hint of a berry flavor, and it's it's very coconutty, which is I I don't love the taste of coconut. So to me, that's, that was kind of a, a turnoff. They're also, when you get them at the stand, they're also frozen. Um, and I, for whatever reason, get ice cream headaches really, really bad, like a, like brain freeze uh, pretty easily. So like frozen drinks already, I'm kind of like, mm. but, um, but for that one, that one I could see people liking, especially if you do like coconut or are mm-hmm. fine with coconut. Um, cause I could definitely taste the coconut in that one. The green one had like a little undertone of citrus, but it was, um, there was something and I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Maybe like, like Uzu or, um, something like that, that, uh, I am, I mean, now I, maybe I'm not saying that wrong, but, um, I'm trying to look for for what was in the green milk, but there was one f- particular flavor that was very like overpowering. I thought in the green milk. Um, and, uh, so I think that's why like people just didn't, I actually preferred the green milk to the blue one. You did. Um, yeah, but, um, but I, I don't think I would necessarily buy either one of them again. Um, yeah, see, it's hard to, it's hard to, nobody seems to, to be, talking about the ingredients and most of the uh the references to green milk are the typical uh the typical online naysayers talking about how terrible it is so yeah. um who are always the loud ones but um no i didn't and i talked to other people that actually preferred the green milk too like i don't think yeah it doesn't seem like but, people are talking about the green milk as much as the blue well i think the blue milk is always kind of the the that's the one more associated i think with uh, you know the green milk didn't get introduced until the last jedi so mm-hmm. um it's made with coconut and rice milks um orange blossom maybe it's orange blossom there, there but there's there's a weird kind of really upfront taste to the green milk that i could see why people wouldn't necessarily like it um but yeah i didn't i, I thought both of them were were just 
we're we're just okay. I don't think I would spend eight dollars on one again. Yeah. Well, I think it's something you have to try once, and then you yeah. can say I've tried blue milk. And they'll then that's they'll sell it. they'll sell a pretty steady amount of them because people will want to get them to take pictures with and that sure. kind of stuff. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if the recipe gets gets tweaked a little bit. I yeah. think also some of it is that people were expecting them to be really sweet, mm-hmm. and they are not. They're not sweet. I, I didn't find them particularly sweet at all, which actually makes me like them a little bit more. Um, but I, I think that is a bad choice. I think if they made them sweeter, they would probably get a lot more people talking about how good they were. Why? Well, I wonder that's my, if that's, that's be- my problem with butterbeer. I think butterbeer is way too oversweet. Oh, I but, agree. Um, I can't finish people, a butterbeer for that reason. Yeah. But I but think it's people because generally love it. people were advertising them as like, smoothie like texture and i think people yeah. heard smoothie and they were expecting it to taste like a like smoothie, a fruit smoothie. Yeah. right and then it didn't and maybe that's where the disappointment came from but yeah i think i think that is a lot of it i think it just because i i was shocked the first time i tasted them i was like oh this is not what i expected this to be um and i think when people get something that isn't what they expect it to be they flip out and immediately take to the internet and blog about how terrible it is so all right yeah. savvy's workshop go Savi's workshop m- might be the best experience there. Honestly, it's uh, it- it's funny because we we were going to do it at some point anyway because we wanted um, we wanted to know how the process worked and and to get video of it and um, we did it the, our second day in uh, the eight a.m. reservation. Actually, we went there first. Um, you know, again, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about a, a plan for this, but if you want to do the lightsaber build during, at least during the reservation period, you must go there first. And I would strongly suggest lining up early and trying to be towards the front of the crowd because, um, for the 8am reservation, they had cut the line off, I believe by 8.03am. Wow. Um, so then so, that's that's choosing between the cantina or Savi's then. Not not necessarily. Um I, I I'll talk I can talk more about that. But um yeah, the cantina is is kind of the although they have they have actually changed the way they do the cantina in the last day or so. So um but we'll we'll get to all that when we get to planning later, but uh, or when we get to the cantina, I'll talk about that stuff at least. But for Savi's um cuz only 14 there are only 14 builders at a time mm-hmm. and the cycle is about uh is about 20 minutes or so so it's 14 builders every 20 minutes um you know so that is that is only what 42 people per hour that are going through it wow. um is my mouth right on that yeah i think so um my head is still very cloudy so hopefully that's that's right well, but, my um, math isn't gonna help you but um and you are allowed to take one person in with you that is not building, um, but most people don't seem to. Um, it seems like most people that go in are making their own, uh, which surprised me a little bit. I thought there would be some that would, you know, like like a couple or, you know, something that were, you know, like a kid would make one and the adult would just be there. But it seems like everybody wants to build their own, which is surprising because these things are crazy expensive. They are uh, $200 with tax. It comes out to about $215. Uh, there is no discounts on it. 
And one thing we found out, you cannot ship them. Uh, you, they are carry out only. So if you build one, you have to take it with you. Um, you can take them on the plane. Um, they do not count as an actual weapons. So you can carry it onto a plane, but I'm not exactly sure what you would do with it on the plane. Uh, I don't know if I would want to shove it up in the overhead compartment, and I don't know that they would let you hold it in the seat. So, um, you know, but so that is something you might have to figure out so if you want to. If you brought another home. person with you, could you both make a lightsaber? No. They no. just there, watch. There 14 builders. Um, if somebody else is building it, they have to have their own station and be building their own. Okay, but someone can come with you and watch. Someone can come with you and watch. That yes. makes sense. Only, only, okay. only one person, though. So there will be a maximum of 28 people in the room. Got but it. in ours, I believe there was only one other person that was watching besides me wow. one, when I did it with Len. So um, like I said, most people were building them. Now, this is also you know, the opening weekend, so it's a lot of really hardcore Star Wars people and that kind of stuff. So that may dissipate a little bit as time goes on, but mm-hmm. I'm... I'm not sure it it I, I we we were talking we wouldn't be shocked if you know the price actually went up after you know maybe by the time it opens in in Galaxy's Edge in in Hollywood Studios maybe it's $250 oh, for a lightsaber gosh. because because the lines have been so so hard to get into cuz you only have a 4 hour time window so yeah what happens is if you're not one of the you know, what is that? 42 times four. So 168. If you're not one of the first, like 168 people wanting to build a lightsaber, you can't do it in your time window. Right. And then that's it. If you only have one reservation, then you don't get to. Yeah. So that's what happened. We got there. Now, Len was a little bit farther ahead in the crowd. He got into, I believe the third or fourth, uh, like cycle, um, Guy and the, the and Sarah and Tom Bricker um, were farther back, and they ended up. It, it was I think it was three hours into their time window by the time they finally got in. Um, now they were allowed to once you pay for it, um, they just tell you kind of when to come back, and then you're allowed to leave and come back. But they still I think still think it took them about an hour and fifteen minutes or or so to get from where they were in the line to where they could pay for it. Um, so that was their you know more than a quarter of their time window squandered there. And then I think they only got like 45 minutes or an hour to go somewhere else. So that's not enough time uh, to go into the cantina or anything like that. So um, it really took up a good chunk of their, of their time. So uh, you really want to be there as fast as possible. So you wait uh, in in line and then how long is the experience? Did you say? It's about 20 minutes. Okay. That's not bad. You know, it probably in, including the reset. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember. I do. This is another video. Well, Guy Selga actually right now you could see on our YouTube channel uh, has a video out of uh, of what the experience looks like inside. Uh, I also have one, uh, and I will. I'm also going to put mine up because we we have it. We might as well. Um, you know, maybe maybe you'll notice something a little bit different in uh, in both of them but uh yeah it, it's it's about 20 minutes um and that that probably includes the reset let's see i'm trying to see here i could look at my video to see um i don't know maybe yeah maybe the actual experience itself uh looks like it's maybe about 15 my video is is about 15 minutes long wow um, that is then, not uh, long for how long you wait they have the, and they have the reset, but it is, but it's funny. So we were, we were going to do it. We, uh, guy was actually going to do it um, and, and was going to keep the lightsaber so we could see how it worked. And then the, 
opening day, we were talking to, we talked to three or four people that had done it and they all said the same thing, that it was fantastic, that it was their favorite thing. They were so happy they did it. Uh, they don't care about the price. It was great. And we were thinking like, okay, how, like, how good is this? Like, yeah. So, so then Len decided to do it. Um, and the Brickers decided to do it. So now we weren't together. I think Tom and Sarah and Guy were all together. But but Len and Len, I went in with Len because uh, he went in first, and I wanted to go do other stuff. So um, and and it was it was it was so cool to watch. They it's it's such it's so well done um, when the the kind of leader is explaining the different types of swords and the different crystals. Um, as she's talking about the different Jedi in, in history and, you know, going through, uh, Luke and Yoda and, and up to like Ray and Kylo and, and Vader and all those, every time she starts talking about one, the music would subtly change into the theme for that person. Uh, the mm-hmm. lighting would change. Um, then yeah, you get to build the, the saber. Then the, the coolest part, um, which is kind of, is the highlight of the video as well uh where you get to kind of activate the sword and then everybody kind of lifts them at once and i i don't i won't explain it too much because i'd rather you see it on video because it, it, it's much more impressive to see than it is to hear um but it was um and and i well i i guess i'll, I'll say this in, in my video anyway so I, I there's no point in ruining it um len tested does not want his lightsaber <laughs> so at some point in the future uh we are going to have a giveaway for a hand-built lightsaber by len testa uh, retail value of over two hundred dollars yeah. um, that we will send to somebody. Um, Very carefully have, packed. Yes, we have no details yet on exactly how we are going to do that. Um, so, so keep an eye on our our social media channels and that in the future. Um, we will hopefully fairly soon be announcing a a very cool uh, giveaway. We we actually have we have at least one more thing that we are going to give mm-hmm. away, and, and there might be more coming too. So um, so watch those because there's a couple there's a couple things we wanted to try just to, to see how it how it worked, and then uh, but we don't actually want the things we got to keep. So so yeah, Len didn't actually want his lightsaber, so we're, we're giving his away. Um, but during the video, even like the look on his face when the the light when he first like picks up the full lightsaber um i was not sure he was still going to agree to give it away and he did actually think about it for a little while before he decided no he didn't have anything to do with a lightsaber so um plus i'm not sure laurel would have loved him coming home to new york with a lightsaber but um that giveaway but, uh, will most likely be on our instagram page so if you're not following us there um or twitter or facebook we are pretty much say, at I mean, touring what, plans everywhere Wherever it is, we will announce it across all channels. So yes, um, whatever we, it is, we decide to do. But um, but yeah, it was it was good enough. And Len immediately said, like, oh, he would do that, you know, again in a heartbeat, like even for the money. So um, it was it was it was very neat. Now I, I think watching it, like I liked the show a lot, but I think I, I I feel like something was lost in the seeing it. Like I think actually getting to put together your own and then light it up and pick up the the completed lightsaber i think probably ha- does have a little bit more of a connection to you than oh, just sure. watching it does um but uh but yeah no it was if if you were on the fence about it um i would i would say go ahead and do it i mean if you if you like me saw the price of it and thought yeah i'm not doing that then you probably still <laughs> won't do it anyway because i'm still not sure i would have paid a 200 to do it um but i'm very glad i at least got to see it 
Um, but if you were thinking about it anyway, then I would just say, go ahead and do it. It's, it's a really good show. We are running low on time, but I do, I have one more question that I feel like I need to ask. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't like the color orange very much. And I noticed that guys hilt had orange on it. They do give you two options for, you know, how you want to build your lightsaber in the pieces. Well, they give you the, there are four different types of lightsabers you can build and you can, and you are allowed to ask, um, outside near the, where the cashiers are, they have drawers, um, that they will show you what the pieces look like. So if you aren't sure what kind you want, you can see what some of the pieces look like ahead of time. Yes, that's my question. Because um, I actually like, I wouldn't normally have gone with the, um, what is it, like the the strength and power ones or whatever, the um, the uh, the one that is the, uh, the mostly for like the Sith lightsabers. I wouldn't, that wouldn't normally have been the one that I would have chosen, but it, um, the power and control. Yeah. Um, but I thought the, from my aesthetic, I thought the pieces looked the best. Mm-hmm. So I might've actually picked that one and just not picked a red Kyber crystal with it. Right. But, um, um, but yeah, so you can see, and within each one, there are at least two choices for each part. In some cases there were actually, I think, uh, there were, I think there might've actually been more than that, but, um, but yeah, you get, uh, you you do get to pick different ones. So, so there's yeah, a theme you, and then you have two options within each theme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That clarifies because I figure if you're spending $200 and you don't really like either option, it's like, well, okay, do I still want to build one? Yeah. But that makes yeah, if, a lot if of you're sense. Not, I would definitely recommend asking to see what the pieces look like ahead of time if you're not sure because that, you know, you might be leaning, you know, a, a lot of people seem to go with the piece injustice, with, which is the typical Jedi one. Um, you know, which are mostly like blacks and silvers, but if you, uh, yeah, if you aren't, if you aren't sure, uh, then, um, then you, you know, you can definitely look at them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was very cool. I liked, I liked seeing that quite a bit. Let's, uh, break down very quickly. Droid Depot. You didn't get to build a droid. We do have um, someone doing that. Actually, I think it's already done today. Um, And a video was made. So that will be up to at some point. Um, But can you talk a little bit about that? And then we will cover Oga's Cantina. Um, Yeah, the Droid Depot, like I said, we didn't we didn't actually build the droid. that also had lines, although they, for the most part, they didn't seem quite as long. There were one or two times where there was, um, where there was longer lines for that, but the lines seemed to move a little bit faster, uh, for the, the droid depot. But you can, if you walk in kind of through the exit, you can walk in and see the whole thing. And the room itself is awesome looking. Yeah. The uh, pictures are really cool. There are like a little conveyor belt with all the little pieces going around. Then over your head, there are like full size droid pieces going around the ceiling. And there are just droid, like full size droids everywhere in there that are, it's, it's a really, really cool room. And, um, and again, I mentioned her before, but Tammy Whiting from Storybook Destinations built her her BB-8 or BB style droid uh, in purple, and it's adorable. And it's so cool because in the land, when you have it, it reacts when there are other droids around and things. Like it'll all of a sudden just start beeping and turning its head, and it's because there's another droid in the area or something. And like it, it will just randomly react to things uh, as if it's alive. So oh, that's uh, it's, so it's neat. Very, they're, they're really, really neat. Those are about $100, uh, I believe, with, with not including tax. Are these the ones that act as the Bluetooth speaker or no? Uh, 
Uh, there are some. Those are not the ones. Those are not the build ones. You can also buy droids in there. Okay. That um, and you can buy ones that that are Bluetooth. The, the one I've seen the most of is is Rex uh, R3X. Uh, that, that you can use as a Bluetooth speaker then. Which we have a review of on the Terrain Plans YouTube channel. Okay. Oga's Cantina proved to be super popular pretty much the entire, I mean, time that it's that Galaxy's Edge has been open. And you guys tried... It's been like three days so far. Yeah, yeah the entire time. Uh, did you try all 17 drinks on the menu? I think so. Uh, well, no, actually, no, because we didn't. We never did get in there for their breakfast hours. Okay. Um, they do have the the food they have for breakfast is um, overlaps with Docking Bay Seven. So we we had a, you know some of us had already tried the food. I I didn't, but um, um, they do also have a couple like they have a coffee, they have a coffee with alcohol, and they have the Bloody Mary, the Bloody Rancor drink. Um, so we didn't get a chance to try those because we just we we chose to do the the Savi's workshop during our 8 a.m. time window because sure. uh, um, because we wanted to do that. And then we, by the, they had already, the, the, the rules for getting into Oga's Cantina are strange. And I believe they have changed since, since in, in, after the first two days. Mm-hmm. So the, the first day, the way they did it was you just lined up. And then after a little while, they would cut the line off and not let more people get in line. That was mostly just a crowd control thing because they, they don't have a ton of space to put the line there. Um, but then if you just kind of went back like a half hour later, sometimes the line would be open and then you could just get into it. So um, but the, the one time, the first time we went in, we went there first as soon as the land opened. Um, and we still had to wait about, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. Um, I, the second time I went in, I went when I first got in, I first got into land and the line had already been cut off, but I happened to circle back around there about a half hour later and noticed the line was quite a bit shorter. So I asked the cast member, you know, Oh, are you going to be opening the line soon? And he said, actually, we're doing it right now. So go ahead, get in. Um, and then after that, they said, you know, if anyone would like to get in line, which of course resulted in a mad rush of people jumping in line, oh which then they immediately had to cut off again because, um, because so many people were trying to do it. Right. Uh, now the first day we did it, they came around with an iPad, um, and took every, every group, a name for them, the number of people, if they had a preference of, you know, where they wanted to be within Elgis Cantina. Now, if you chose a preference, your wait might be longer. Uh, so, of course, we just said, you know, wherever, it doesn't matter. And um, and then as spaces opened up, they would try to fit the parties into the spaces as best they could. So if you were, were a smaller party, a party of one or two, um, it was a pretty big advantage because you could, you know, get, you might get in much faster. The second day when I went, I was, it was just me at first. Now I ended up a couple other people. Uh, I, I saw a couple other people when I was in line that ended up jumping in line with me and going in. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at first it was just me, but they didn't have the iPads at all. It was literally just when you got to the front, they just waited until there was space for you and then sent you in. Um, but once we got inside, that was working very, very badly. Uh, there were long windows where there was like big spaces because what would happen is the, as spaces would kind of open up, people would just spread out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, like there was, they were just not controlling like, like 
who was going where the first day they were very like a couple people walked away from our table for 10 or so minutes and they filled their spaces in. Um, so we ended up being very cramped in at one table with another group because, oh, no. um, because they were very, very like, as soon as there is a space, someone is going in it. And they with put the you with people day, you don't even know. Yeah. Who are very, very nice actually. But, um, but, but still yeah. like, it was, it was, it, it was a standing table anyway. So it's not, oh. it wasn't like super private, but, um, but I have a feeling they would have done that even if it was a seated table, uh, because they were just trying to get as many people through there as possible. Now the second day, it almost just seemed like it was very, it seemed very, very hectic. And I couldn't quite figure out why they made it worse after day one, mm-hmm. but, um, but now I heard yesterday, uh, we're recording this on, on Monday, mm-hmm. on, uh, on June 3rd. So I heard June 2nd, I saw, I think it was Blog Mickey, I saw a tweet that they weren't letting people line up at all. It was all a like a text reservation system. So they would take your number, the number in your party, and they would just text you when it was your time to go in, which seems to be a really, really perfect system. Uh, the downside there is that the four-hour time windows like Savi's workshop were filling up within minutes. When someone has to line up to give their number. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think at the beginning there was, was probably a line, but, um, but then, you know, they, but so that, and and that, cause um, the other thing they were doing was you couldn't, if each, each time slot had it, it's a different color wristband. And in the last hour of your time slot, they weren't letting you line up at all. So, but what we found was that the best way to get in was about an hour and 10 minutes before your time slot ended, because most of the people who had gone in, who, who had wanted to go in, were in already in your time slot and the next time slot hadn't gotten there yet. So that, that was actually how I got in a couple times was because just going later, you know, three hours into the time slot in, in, uh, or right before they cut me off. And, um, and with the tech system, you can't do that. You have, you literally have to be, and, and if you, and that basically makes it now. So you have to choose between building a lightsaber or going to the cantina. Mm. You can't do both. Or you send, you send people in different directions. One of you gets in line for the workshop. One of you gives the number to the cantina and you just hope the cantina doesn't text you until after the lightsaber is done. Right. Uh, so that I think actually makes the plan a little bit harder, but I understand why they did it. Uh, they are definitely going to be changing the system for getting into the cantina again. Um, I, I think it's it's going to be tough. And now, once the land is open for good and there's no more reservations at all, which might not happen for a year, but um, it will end up being, I think it will very much end up being like Trader Sam's is where there will just always be a line. Uh, you will always have to wait, um, and it will be 100% worth the wait because it is a fantastic. It, it's my personal favorite thing in the land is the cantina. What uh, drinks seemed popular? The the uh, our our consensus for the most interesting drink and the one that we are we would recommend if you are only getting one and wanted something unusual is um is the um um. Why am I blanking on the name now? Fuzzy Tauntaun. <laughs> um, it is a, it is, I was looking at the menu while I was talking. That's why I couldn't think straight, but it's peach vodka, peach schnapps, uh, and simply orange topped with tangerine, pure cane sugar, and buzz foam. That now, sounds makes really it, good. It's actually a pretty decent drink, but what makes it is the buzz foam. Um, it The foam has a, uh, I believe it's Chinese peppercorn. 
that doesn't really have much of a taste to it so much, but it numbs your mouth and lips, <laughs> uh, which is the strangest sensation after you take a drink and then your tongue goes numb. Um, and uh, they just have this big kind of container of it behind the bar that they just scoop it off of the foam off of and plop it onto the drink. And we had been warned, I think some, we were talking to somebody else that had already tasted it. So we knew what it was going to do when we tasted it. And yet we still had to pass it around because it was just so strange. And the other, the, the group, there was four guys that I had mentioned that ended up sharing the table with us. Well, one of them had ordered that and heard us talking about it. And he's like, oh no, that's the one I ordered. And then he got it and the same thing, you know, like the reactions of people drinking it are fantastic. Even if they know what's going to happen, it's still so funny watching people's faces. So, and then one of his friends tried it and made the same faces. Well, then when they got their second round, uh, the other two that hadn't tried it each got one of those drinks because they just wanted to see what it was like. Um, I think that's the, the fuzzy tauntaun I think is, is going to be the winner. Now I will say when I went in um, later in the night, uh, the foam didn't do that. It wasn't numbing. And we were kind of thinking, oh, no, did they change it? But I think what happened is they were at the end of the container mm -hmm. and there just wasn't a lot of foam on it. And I think maybe it had lost its potency because it was sitting there so long. So we looked over about an, you know, after we were in there a little while and they had refilled the container. So she actually went up and asked them to top it off. Um, and then it, it did the numbing thing again. So if you get it and it doesn't do it, um, you know, maybe mention that to the bartender and see if you can get uh, more foam because it's definitely going to be one that you go in, in there with newbies and kind of tell them to get and then video their reaction when they drink it. So, Oh gosh. And then how is DJ Rex? Oh, he's, he's great. I, I love it. It's, it's, the music is, is good. It's, it's very almost club, but he, you know, he has, he still has his jokes. Uh, I heard there's one part where he actually malfunctions and starts doing the star tours spiel. Oh, no. He has to reset himself. Um, uh, I don't, I didn't see that part. Um, Cause it's like a three hour loop, I think. And we were, you were, you were limit, quote unquote, limited to 45 minutes. Although I, at no point did we ever see anybody actually get asked to leave. Um, you were limited to two drinks and that's not just alcoholic drinks. That's any drink. You can only have two. Hmm. So, um, but most of the drinks in there were, were typical, you know, they were, they were a lot of mixers and, and a little bit of alcohol. The beer was, was decent. Uh, but yeah, I like, I like August Cantina a lot. I know, uh, I know we're running out of time and we're running very long here. So this is going to end up being at least an hour and a half podcast, if not more. So no, it's too bad because the only reason that we're going to have to stop is because I have to go pick up my kids in 10 minutes, but I, I do really <laughs> want to hear more about the cantina. Um, uh, well, you know, some other day, but, um, I do want to give you yeah. a chance though, to talk about, um, how would you suggest uh, organizing your four hour block. Yeah. Well, right now, well, while they have these, these four hour blocks, and I think even after June 23rd, I think you're still going to get like a four hour time window to see it. Uh, it will just be kind of first come first serve at that point. Um, if you want to build a lightsaber you, that you have to do that, go there first. Uh, if not, I would say go to Oga's Cantina first. The problem is with both of those, if you are not towards kind of the front of the crowd, getting into the land, you might not be able to do do the lightsabers at all, and the line will probably be cut off for the cantina. Uh, like I said, if it is for the cantina and they are still just doing a lineup system, just kind of check back every once in a while, especially you know about an hour and 10 minutes before your window ends, check back. That seems to be where the lull point is for the cantina. 
Um, if they are still doing the tech system, then you just kind of got to get there early. Like I said, maybe you can split your group up. One makes the reservation for Savi's, one makes the reservation for the Cantina, and you just hope they don't conflict. Um, the Millennium Falcon, I would avoid right in the beginning because so many people go there. The wait time goes crazy high for the first like hour of every time window. And then it kind of steadily goes down um, until the next time window, until the next window opens. So that, you know, in between hours, say two and three, you can probably ride it, you know, three times if you want. If you want to do single rider, you could probably ride it six. Um, the dining and the shopping, you can do basically whenever, uh, if you, um, are not interested in the lightsaber and you don't get into the cantina right away, I would say, go walk through the marketplace, look at the stalls because nobody goes there first. And, uh, you can, especially if you have that first time slot, that 8am one, uh, you can basically be alone in there for a half an hour if you want. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. You can do almost everything. Uh, in, in a four hour window, I don't think you can build the lightsaber and still do everything. But if you didn't want to do that, I think you can do everything else, including building a droid if you wanted to. Um, but the, the lightsaber is just takes up a little too much time right now. So that kind of has to be a priority if that's what you want to do. What are you excited to do the next time you go? Cantina. Yeah. Um, (laughs) no, I don't know. I mean, I, Honestly, just walk around. Like I enjoyed just walking. And and oh, and by the way, they did not seem to be enforcing the four-hour time limit at all. Now you couldn't, um, you know, you couldn't do anything. You can't get into the cantina after three hours. You can't ride the Millennium Falcon after your time is up. Uh, even the shops, like Doc Ondar's, they wouldn't let you in to even look around if it was past your time. But um, but we didn't see a single person get escorted out of the land. And, and I talked to people that were two plus hours past their time. Wow. And they're still just walking around enjoying the land. So, um, you know, if you, I, I, you know, it's a great place to just kind of wander around and look at the details. Uh, it is its own little world. I legitimately kept getting surprised when I would walk out of the park and be like, oh, right, I'm in Disneyland. Like, it does not feel like, it doesn't feel like a Disney park. It feels like a real place, which um, I think is it, it. It has that same feeling that Diagon Alley does, where you walk out of Diagon Alley and you're like, "Oh, nuts! Right, I am in Universal. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot I was not in in this weird Wizarding London." Um, and it, it gives you that same feeling where you walk out and you're like, "Oh, right, theme park. Okay, cool." Oh, well, now I really have to decide if I'm going to go in two weeks or just wait till August. It's harder than ever now, but. I hope you enjoyed hearing all about Brian's journey to Batu. Is it now? What is it? Is it Batu? Batu? Yeah, I think I, 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 you know, I don't think there's a wrong way to say it. All right, but I'm gonna go with Batu. Batu, tell. Let us know what you guys say. Follow us. You can. You can um follow us on social media. Like I said, we're at Touring Plans everywhere. We're still gonna be posting photos. I know Guy Selga has like I don't know like six more reservations there. He has like already has thousands of photos. And like I said, I will be putting at least two or three Star Wars related, like Galaxy's Edge related videos up until I run out of them, which might be a few weeks. So, um, you know, keep watching our YouTube page. We'll have lots of stuff. Yeah, be sure to use hashtag TPPOD, Touring Plans Podcast, with any, you know, comments or ideas you have for future episodes. And we will see you on the next show. Bye, everyone. Till the spire.